Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are starting a brand new series this week. I am really excited. We've had a lot of people who've been asking for a series like this, where we hopped across the pond. So we're doing that today. We're hopping across the pond and talking to Richard Lang. Um, Richard is a really incredible filmmaker in the UK and, uh, and abroad. He actually just got back from India from a 12 day trip in India, filming a, a four day wedding there. Um, but what we're going to do with this series is really interesting. I think, a lot of you have seen online the conversations that are going on about the the massive difference in the markets in the UK and in the US. And so this podcast is going to be all about that. So what we're going to do with this podcast is pretty different. We're going to start with a couple of business profiles. So this first episode is going to be a sort of a profile of RL Films and what Richard's doing there with his company. And uh, we're going to interview another filmmaker as well in the UK. And then we're going to have a roundtable discussion to sort of talk about the differences in the market. Because the goal here is to have a conversation that helps to raise the tide um, in, in in the UK and, and everywhere else, really. I think uh, so many of the principles that will likely discuss in this series will apply regardless of what country you live in. But specifically the goal here is talking about raising the tide in the UK and the value that clients put on the the art that you create. Um, but again, I think regardless of where you're from, this conversation is going to be really helpful to you if you're at a place where you want to have clients who value you more, um, which I think is all of us. We all want our clients to value us more, whether you are just starting out and trying to get a wedding for $500 or whether you're Ray Roman and, you know, charging $30,000 for a wedding and wanting to charge a hundred thousand dollars, you know, um, we all want our clients to value us even more than they do today. So Richard, thanks so much for coming on. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Richard, uh, maybe just begin by telling us a little bit about the background of your company, how you got started. Okay. Um, it's quite simple, actually. I I started, um, I studied graphic design. I've always been a um, an artistic kid. I was the kid who could draw um, so being creative was something that I've always really done um, in some form. Um, after doing a little bit of freelance graphics and kind of trying to do something with that, um, I fell into a nine-to-five job, a, a normal job. Um, and the trappings of, I guess, security kind of held me in that job for about 10 years. Um, and I got to my mid-30s, and 
felt like I needed to do something creative again. Um, I'd not done anything creative for many years. Picked up a camera, started shooting some photos, like really got into it. Um, all my spare time was kind of, you know, playing about with the camera and, and going out to the beach and doing kind of any sort of photography I could. Um, and then I got the opportunity to leave um, that job with some with a payout, which basically gave me a bit of security, at least kind of one, maybe two years worth of salary to kind of give me a cushion. And I thought, if I'm going to do something, at the time I didn't even know what I was going to do, but I thought, now's the time to do it. It's now or never. Um, so I left that job. Um, and I shot my first wedding. It was that year. It was like middle of, I would say, 2010. Um, as I shot it as a photographer. Um, I didn't know I wanted to be a wedding videographer or a wedding photographer. I didn't know I wanted to be anything in weddings. I just knew somebody was going to pay me some money. Um, to use my camera. So I went along and I shot the wedding and um, I enjoyed it, you know, strangely. Um, I definitely got thrown at the deep end. It was one big panic, um, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I think from then I kind of, I didn't jump into weddings straight away. It was a very slow burner for me. Um, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a person who regrets a lot of things at all. I try not to. Um, but I think in hindsight, uh, maybe I would have jumped in feet first and tried to build something quicker. Um, but for me personally, it was just very slow. Um, a lot of word of mouth. And I started shooting video because I bought a 5D Mark II. Um, and when I decided to do wedding video, it was a really simple decision because there were so many good photographers. It was just a simple business decision that it would have took me th maybe three or four years to to really build up a photography business uh, amidst so much competition. Whereas with the video side, there wasn't really any competition. You know, there was a few companies doing video. It wasn't particularly modern or, you know, I hate the word cinematic, but, you know, it was old school. So it was just simple. If You know, I enjoyed doing video as well. I might as well do video and at least then I can break into weddings quicker. Um, and that's how RL Film started. Um, most people start the same way. There's no crazy story behind it. It's just a way I wanted to create something where I could earn a living with a camera. You know, that's what it was. Um, I wanted no middleman. So I'd done some work for magazines. Um, and I felt like, you know, there was too many you know, too many cooks, basically. Um, there was the art director, there was, you know, the page editor. Um, you know, you, you were kind of answering to a lot of people. Whereas weddings, the big thing I like is there is no middleman. It's just you and the couple. And and hopefully they're booking you because of what you do. Um, so you've just got to do your thing. You know, you've just got to be yourself, do your thing. So it's quite a liberating thing, I think. Um so yeah, that's how it started. Um, did a wedding, enjoyed it, figured out it would be a good thing to do, you know, um, and just kind of got stuck in from there. So yeah, very slow burner though. It took a little while to build up, you know, the, the amount of weddings that I needed. But yeah, that's how I started. Sure. Yeah. 
I love that story because I think uh, so often it's just a um, it's it's just sort of a an interest or passion or whatever the case that is that drives people into this industry. You had that, but what was different about your story is that you saw a particular hole in the market in video versus photography, which you had been doing photography and sort of made a, a a very conscious business decision rather than a, um, sort of a, a a passion or interest decision. Of course, you know, you obviously found that along the way. Tell me about that journey of, of sort of being interested and passionate about photography and then realizing maybe the way to go with this in terms of business and, you know, making a living at this is video. Tell me about kind of that transformation period. When the 5D2 came out, you know, it, that kind of changed the game for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, and a lot of photographers were using video um, because it was just a new thing. It was a new toy. It was a new tool, um, you know, to kind of express whatever you wanted to express. Um so I spent a lot of time watching kind of Vincent Lafare and and kind of what he was doing, transitioning into video. Um, and I just spent a lot of time online kind of soaking up all of this this kind of video thing. Um, and I would used to, I was talking about to, to a friend about this. I used to go to um, the beach, which is about 20 minutes from where I live. I used to go for sunrise. Um, and in the summer, that can be around about four o'clock in the morning. So you'd be setting off at like three in the morning. Um, and I had a whole kit bag full of lenses and, you know, really heavy stuff, um, tripods. And I'd made a dolly from some, you know, the typical kind of homemade not dolly from, you know, skateboard wheels and a kitchen door. Um, you know, this is before you could buy relatively <laughs> cheap. You know, sliders, this, you know, I, I bought kind of drain pipes with a kitchen door that kind of rolled on them, you know, yeah. um, super heavy stuff. <laughs> but I'd be walking on the beach, like with all of this kit with a smile on my face. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it now, but um, like I just had this buzz for just simple, simple stuff. Just, you know, doing a dolly shot of, you know, I did it. I think I spent half an hour doing this tracking shot, like a dolly shot of, of a sandcastle and a little sandcastle someone had made and the waves were hitting the sandcastle and I was just in awe of this <laughs> thing that I was doing. So it was, I was getting the same buzz from video than I was from photography. It was just a new buzz. It was like I'd found photography again, as cliche as it sounds. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I just shot things as if I was a photographer I was just pressing record. It's the only difference for me. And it still is really today. Um, yeah. But the transition from when I decided to shoot weddings and the decision to do video instead of stills was simple. You know, it was just, that was a business decision. Um, I enjoyed doing both. I knew video would be tougher in terms of post-production. But for me, it was a case of I had a certain amount of money left to live on from my payout and I needed to build a wedding business that I could get a certain amount of wedding clients quickly. And the chances are with photography, I wouldn't have done that because of the competition. 
Um, with video, I could do that. So it was, it was a simple decision for me. It's one that I'm glad I made, um, but it's a, it was a simple decision. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so interesting. I had a very similar story as well. I started as a photographer, and uh, when I, I moved to a new city, and I also had a moment where the clock was kind of ticking because I moved to a new city without a job. I had been doing it part-time, and when I moved uh, to... When I moved to Austin, which was, you know, three and a half, four hours away from where I was living before, it's starting over from scratch. And so um, I remember I, I had started video actually before I got to Austin, but I was, I was really still mostly focused on photography. And I remember there, I had this, this clock ticking because we moved to Austin in October and I think it was a week, maybe two weeks at most, but I think it was only a week later we found out we were pregnant with our first child and, and I didn't have a job, you know, I was like, you know, going to make a run for this thing, trying to, trying to make this business work. And so now all of a sudden, uh, you know, I had to get more serious about it and I had a, had a nine month clock, you know? So, so I get that and I love that. And I was sort of was making a lot of the same decisions I was actually doing at first, when I got here, I was offering um, more like hybrid yeah, yeah. wedding films where we were doing the photography, but we'd shoot a little bit of video and kind of mix it in, slideshow kind of thing. It was popular for a short period of time um, before we before we got rid of those packages and started focusing more on video. But But it was the same kind of thing where it was very much a business decision of, I got here to Austin and I went to the bridal show and I saw a sea of photographers. And at the time, I think there was only like maybe two, one or two other uh, video pros that were there at the bridal show. And that sort of opened my eyes to see, okay, here's, you know, here's something that, that can fill a hole in this yeah. market. Um, so of course it's, it's different now. Now there's a whole lot more videographers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, than there were at the time, but but at the time that was definitely one of those business decisions. So, anyways, I love hearing that story. Yeah, I mean, it was I would say seven, you know, six seven years ago. Um, there was only that I knew. I mean, I was only thinking locally. You know, I wasn't. I didn't understand weddings. I didn't understand that. You know, if you worked in weddings, you literally could work all over the world. I didn't understand that. Um, at the time, it was just a, a local thing. And I knew there was, you know, two, maybe three that I knew of locally. But I knew easily 30, 40 photographers. So the numbers just didn't add up to be a photographer, you know, in terms of being able to, um, you know, build an income as quickly as possible. Um, you know, it was just, it just made sense to go video. And that doesn't mean that I made a compromise. You know, I, I love doing video. Um, I could have done either, either or, to be honest, it just made sense business wise to do video. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was the same way, you know, just you you fall in love with it in a different way because I think for so many of us, it's that realization that I can really tell story so much more powerfully. And that's what's, that's what engages so many of us in this craft is the ability to craft a story rather than sort of having to fill in so many gaps 
to be able to tell that story through a still photo. There's just there's so many gaps. You can't really tell the story through a no, still photo. I mean, it's a different beast, isn't it? You know, it's. Um, I don't think you know the apples and oranges. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge lover of photography, and I still am. Um, and I think there's sometimes I see that one image, and it just blows you away. It's just you know, it just captures something. You know, photography is a beautiful thing. Uh, and not just wedding photography. I mean, you know, just quality photography is is incredible. Um, so, you know, definitely not comparing the two. But there's something about a really good video, um, especially these days. You know, people are doing some incredible work. You know, and just when you see mm. a video that's just, you know, that the audio's bang on. You know, there's some heartfelt stuff going on. The visuals are incredible. Um, or even it's just there's just something different about it. It's, I think it grabs you a little bit more than maybe what a, um, a still image does, uh, for me anyway. Um, but again, that's not to take anything away from a beautiful image because that does a, a whole different job, you know. Um, but video is cool. But we have to bash photographers a little do. bit. Of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've... I've been working with some very, very good photographers. And I love to, I do love to watch photographers work. Um, you know, and everybody works differently, but, um, I think some people just have a genuinely brilliant eye for a moment. I think videographers, um, have to see things differently. They're not seeing things in a hundredth of a second. You know, we need, we're kind of looking for that slightly longer moment we're looking for something and, and it, it, it's a different way of looking at things but videos come along a long way um, and some of the things I'm seeing out there now is just it's it's amazing stuff it's it's amazing um, but yeah it's a different thing you know it's a different thing I don't really compare them but it's um, there's something I think special about a good video you know um, yeah it's come a long way it's come a long way I think clients are loving it as well. More clients are booking video now. Um, you know, it's for sure. You know, it's gone the days of that kind of cheesy wedding video stuff. For sure. Well, as I'm prone to do, I sort of got us off topic here, so I'll try to steer the ship. <laughs> I'll try to steer the ship back in the in the direction that we were headed originally. So, talk to me about. We, we talked about sort of the early days of RL Films. Uh-huh. Talk to me about where we are today and sort of some of that journey of, of what took you from, okay, the time time uh, time time clock is ticking here and I got to get something going here within a year or two um, before my money runs out to kind of where the business is today. I went from, you know, shooting a handful of weddings, um, Building some good relationships with photographers, with um, you know some some makeup artists that, that I've known across the across the years. Um, you know, a, a few of them have got to know really well, um, and generally just being just being a normal guy. You know, I'm not really trying to get anything from anybody. You know, it's I'm, I just want to work with good people. I want to get on with people. I'm quite a personable chap. I'm just I just want to enjoy work. Um, and enjoy the people I work with. Uh, so through the years, I kind of, I got to know, you know, a handful of people who would, uh, openly recommend me, some venues that recommended me. 
So slowly I started building, you know, wedding films um, and clients. And we got to a point where I did too much, to be honest. I got to a year where I did, I just took on too many films. Um, I think that was my year where um, my name started getting bigger than, um, you know, I just started getting inquiries, a lot of inquiries. Um, and I think I was too cheap for what I did. So I would book quite a lot of weddings. So I would, my ratio of kind of um, inquiry to books or lead to book was, was quite high. Um, and it felt good because I was booking. Um, but at the end of the year, just, you know, the amount of work I needed to edit was crazy. You know, um, it was a tough year, very tough year, no time off. Um, and I would definitely change that if I could go back. Um, so I definitely took too much on. Um, and that was probably, that was 2015. Um, I took way too much on. Um, I slowly rectified that in 2016 um, because I'd already made, obviously, prior commitments through booking people in advance. Um, so I rectified that a little bit in 2016. 2017, took a little bit more control, um, took those numbers down. And it was 2000, kind of 2016, 2017, why I started charging a lot more. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a recent thing in the grand scheme of things, you know, that the price, you know, value battle that we have, um, is a relatively recent thing for me. So when I talk to people about it, this isn't just like a distance thing that I'm going to, you know, stand on a stage and, and tell people about. This is something I've just gone through and I am going through. Um, so I understand the challenge of going from two thousand pounds to two and a half thousand pounds to five or six thousand pounds. It's something I'm dealing with now, um, and I am booking weddings for that much money now. Now, like I say, in the UK, that's considered like quite a fair amount of money. Um, but I go through that. I'm, I'm currently at a stage where I might book one in fifteen. You know, I'll secure a booking. You know, I let go a lot of weddings um, mm -hmm. because a lot of them are the two and a half thousand, you know, um, and it's tough. That's very tough, you know, because when you're, you know, you can see 20, 30,000 pounds worth of business going away. I think that's difficult for any business. Um, sure. Yep. It's very difficult, you've, you, but you've just got to kind of, you know, stand strong. So for me, I put myself, I worked very hard. I did a lot of weddings, but I put myself in a position where I saved a lot of money and I I put myself in the healthiest position possible with the biggest cushion so I could turn weddings down. Because the reality is you can't turn weddings down when you've got a mortgage to pay. Um, re regardless of whether, you know, they actually hit your figure that you want. If you've got bills to pay, you've got bills to pay. And pride might kick in and you might be sitting there on an internet forum telling people that you charge $7,000. Um, but if you can't pay your bills this month and you could have paid your bills by shooting a wedding, then you absolutely should shoot that wedding. You know, there's just some realities of life, you know. Um, and I don't have any kids. I mean, if you have kids to feed, you know, you've got to make those decisions and it's difficult. For me, I have a relatively simple life. I don't have children yet. It's just, 
there's just me. I've, I'm with somebody, um, but for the most part, you know, it's um, I don't have any major responsibilities, um, so I'm 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 free now to play with it. So that's RL Films at the moment. We're kind of, you know, we've gone through this transition and realised the value of what I do, and I'm at every opportunity trying to secure that value in every wedding. It's tough. It is tough. Um, and I think that's why the conversation about UK versus other parts of the world, you know, specifically the US market, is such an interesting conversation, you know. Um, because, I mean, would you say, I mean, your average is, you know, over seven, but where where do you think you sit in the in the marketplace? I mean, is that is that the norm norm for your area? Is that just average? No, it's definitely not the norm for my area. If I were to guess, I would say the the average uh, wedding video in my city would be under three thousand. Okay, probably close to twenty five hundred would be my guess. Okay, based on just a few different conversations I've had with a number of you know. A number of other business owners in the area. That would be my guess, but so probably similar to the UK. I think so. Yeah, on yeah. on average, of course. Is is that? Do you feel like that's sort of the average in the UK as well? I think, from what I see, both locally and nationally, I think there's two different conversations. There's price, and then there's what you get for that price. So sure. Absolutely. For, I would say, around the £2,000, I would say is average. You know, a very average is some, you know, the sum above, the sum below, but I would say average roughly 2000 The difference is there are some very good people for 2000 Very good. Sure. You know, there's people who've won national awards, have been awarded the best in England, who are 2000 You know? Wow. Um, you know, and these are obviously there's lots of different types of awards, and some of them are valuable, some aren't. But you know, if if I know some people who are very, very good, and they're two thousand, and I have these conversations a lot, you know, like, dude, you got to put your prices up, you know, like it, it's not about. I think at that point, it's not about pushing the industry. It's just that Jesus Christ, mate, you're you're very, very good. Why are you charging two thousand? You know, um, yeah. But some people are very comfortable with that you know some people like the fact that someone inquires and one in every three will book you know that's a nice yeah. you know it feels good it's a feel good thing um you know and if your mortgage is only you know 500 pounds a month and you have a relatively simple way of living then you might need only to do two weddings a month you know three weddings sure. a month something like that you know and it's it's you know it's not a you know, it's not a hard life. And that's still a lot of money to bring in. I think the, um, I'm not sure what the average salary is in the UK, but it's not a lot. You know, it's not a lot at all. Um, you know, so, yeah, you can get some really good talent for around 2000 And I think that's still the case. I think that's okay. the case here as well. I think that there are certainly talented individuals. In fact, I was having a conversation with one of my buddies this week 
who is who is quite talented. Yeah. Um, he was showing me one of his films that he recently created. He's probably listening to this podcast, actually, so I want right. to call him out by name for sure. <laughs> but we were having a conversation about this, and he showed me one of his films, and I, you know, told him it was excellent. You know, there's it was it was really good, really quality stuff, and still, you know, he's at a at a price point I think where you can get the kitchen sink for three thousand or under. I think. And to be honest, he's just worth a whole lot more than that. And I think that is the challenge of so many people is there's that, there's that constant fear that comes with raising your prices. Is anyone going to actually see that I'm worth this much? Um, but I think the difference is that I see is that you seem to, in a lot of ways, um, at least in recent years to have transcended what seems to be the norm. Whereas while I say that there's uh, you know, the average in my market is definitely below 3000. Um, there's, there's quite a few in my area who are getting more than that or people who are coming into my area, you know, um, recently I, um, I hung out with the, the Pendergrafts who came from Oklahoma to Austin and I'm sure that they got at least 8,000 for that job. Um, and I was talking with just, just one city over in Houston. I was just talking with, um, uh, with Aaron from 31 films who, you know, they're eight, nine, I think he said, I think he said 9,500 maybe was their average in Houston. Okay. Um, so there's there's quite a few companies who are like that in that range. Yeah. Um, as opposed to what I hear, anyways, from so many people in the UK, it's just you don't see those companies at all who are doing that in the UK. I, what I see a lot of is, um, and I'm, I think this is the same world over. I think people are looking at how much someone charges you know, next to them. Um, so there might be, say, three or four videographers in the same town, um, probably more, a lot more, um, and they they see in that they charge 2000 they charge 2500 they charge 15 and they base their increase or decrease in price on what someone else is doing, which is, yeah. is crazy for, you know, that's just a business suicide because they have different outgoings. They might have kids. They might have not, no kids. They might have a studio where someone else doesn't have a studio. Like this, everyone has different costs. And to base your price on what the next guy does is just insane. That's the, the quickest way just to go out of business. Um, sure. So first and foremost, you know, you need to, you know, people need to sit down and figure out their cost of business for sure. Um And figuring out the cost of business is also, I think, about figuring out how you want to live what type of life you you know what type of life you want where you want to go on holiday what kind of car you want to drive um another and whether you want to have savings and or you know a pension and how old you are you know i'm in i'm in my early 40s um so i'm completely different to some guy in his 20s because when you're in your 20s you're not thinking of retirement 
But I am thinking of, you know, I, I don't want to do this when I'm, you know, 65, 70, because I, I won't be able to. Um, you know, I'm, A, I'm not going to be relevant, and B, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that many hours. Um, you just, there's some natural things that happen when you get, you know, when you, when you get older. Um, so at the moment for me, I don't care what anyone else is charging. Um, I just know what I want to charge. Um, and I know what I put into every film. And I know that some of the things that I do, um, is unique to, you know, the way I do things. Um, I might see a piece of light and other videographers might not even see that, you know, or might not, not know how to use it. Um, so it's just realizing that actually, you know, what you do does have value um, and standing your ground. I think, I think Ray just posted something in the group, you know, where, where he turned down a wedding. I think it might have been 11,000 or something. Um and it's it's all relative, you know. And you've got to you've got to do that when you when if you're at two thousand and you want to be at four thousand, you've got to kind of turn down those two thousand weddings. It's really difficult, you know. It is difficult. It is. Um, but you've got to do it. You've got to make a stand um, if you want to increase. I'm not saying you have to increase, you know. I'm sure you know people who are two and a half thousand and they have a happy life. Um, yeah. You know, it's. There's no right or wrong. It's just, I think as a whole, we definitely need to start acting on, you know, a lot of people talk about wanting to charge more, but there is no action um, because the action is very difficult. Yeah. And for me, it was just now's the time to act. And it's it's crazy because it's working, you know. Um, I I haven't even particularly done something you know, I've done a few different specific things on my website and what I show and, you know, who I connect with in the industry. Um, but it hasn't been hard. You know, it's not some magic thing that I've done. And within a very short time, you know, I was getting contacted by planners. Um, where the budget is in the kind of five, six thousand pound range. Um, you know, so that equates to whatever dollars that is. Um, yeah, probably, probably, probably like eight thousand for people. I would, I would guess, right? Somewhere around eight thousand yeah, kind of, US. I would say around about eight, nine thousand US. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, when you're going from like three thousand US to kind of eight, nine thousand US, like that's, you know, that's a good feeling. You know, it's a really good feeling. Absolutely. Um, and it surprised me how possible that was. Um, you have to stand strong. You have to kind of turn those weddings down. You know, they're cheaper weddings. Um, and that is difficult, but, but it is completely doable. It is completely doable. You obviously have to have a good product. Um, which, you know, I've, I've kind of got to a point where I do like what I do. Um, I think it's important that you progress and you don't just stop. So I think it's important that your work does progress year on year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's doable. It's totally doable. Um, I think the question that we're talking about, though, is, I guess, is it more doable in the US versus the UK? Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't live in the US, so I, it, it's something you can answer and, and I can't. But um, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's you know, I'm certainly doing it, so it is it is doable. I just wish more people would would take that risk as well. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again? And have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Talk to me about this, Richard. Um, One thing you mentioned earlier, and I, I fully believe this, is that you really, and when you're looking at pricing, you can't be comparing yourself to other people in your market because, you know, because you're unique. At the same time, that's a real challenge and a real struggle for, for so many people, myself included, because there is a, there is a point to where I am competing for some of the same weddings as other people in my market. You know, uh, I had a, I had a buddy of mine, Adam Grumbo on the show quite a while ago. And I imagine the reality is he and I compete for a lot of the same weddings. And so, uh, you know, when you have other people in your market who, who you know you're directly competing with because, you know, uh, you have, um, you know, your, your wedding films maybe have a similar look or vibe or quality or whatever the, the thing is that's similar about them. It's really challenging not to compare those things because that's what your client is going to be doing, right? If, if a client is trying to decide whether they're going to hire, uh, you know, you or your similar competition and from their perspective, it's very similar products they're going to be getting. Next thing they're going to be doing is looking at the pricing of that. So, how do you how do you mentally sort of transcend that to say I'm not going to concern myself with this when that is the main thing my client is concerning themselves with? Um, okay, or my so, potential client. Yeah. Um, so I think this is 
this is it's a subject that's easy to talk about, um, but when you know a listener, let's say, that's going through this challenge themselves, putting some change into practice is going to be very difficult, and it's it's going to be very tough to go through that transition. So we can talk about it, and it's quite easy to talk about, but the the actual doing it is difficult. So, but all we can do on a podcast is talk. So, here's the key thing for me: in a recession. Um, which the world has gone through, you know, over a number of years, um, you know, since the housing kind of went, you know, tits up. Um, the one thing that always does really well is luxury. Um, luxury brands, you know, rocket, skyrocket, where everyone else is struggling. Um, and mm. I'm certainly not suggesting that I'm a luxury brand, but I think I mean, it's, everyone's got a different version of what luxury is. Um, sure. But when I realized that, when I realized that actually I can either sit amongst all these people who are charging two and a half thousand, you know, 1,800 to two and a half, two and a half thousand, let's say, um, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of videographers. And we're all going to be fighting for the same bit of meat, you know, we're kind of all going to be scrapping away. And at some point, somebody's going to say, well, I'll do it for £200 less. And then the other person will say, well, I'll do it for £250 less. And, and then it just gets it's, – it's an awful place to be, you know, because sure. it's just so bombarded with people who are focused on price. Firstly, that's not really the client that you want, ideally. It's cliche to say that we want clients that value what we do. And I think that's a really great line. Um, I think all clients want their value. I think clients, you know, even the ones who are spending, you know, $20,000, they still want value. You know, they still want something for that. They still want something good. They're not going to accept garbage. Um, but I think for me, the easiest way to get out of that pot of people was to position myself as something with a bit more, something just a bit different, something a bit more luxurious. Uh, or something a bit more special. Um, and I know for a fact I could show you, you know, some work from people in the area that do charge £1,800. And their work isn't that much different than mine, really. Um, they, they, word, they word things a little differently on their website. They, they show everything rather than only showing a certain amount of things. Um, they do things a little bit different. And I think that's the difference in being able to get out of that pot. I think, I don't know, I think you've just got to mentally think to yourself, you know, I don't want to be in that pot anymore. Um, your message needs to be refined. And my aim is not to, to get those clients anymore. If a client comes back to me and says, I found this other guy that's £2,000 cheaper than you, then that's it. The conversation's done. Like... I can't entertain that conversation. Um, and I, my reply will probably be, you know, if, if that guy's available and you like his work, then book him. Like, get him booked because somebody's going to book him. You know, so if, if, if you really want that guy at that price, you know, book him. But I, I can't entertain, you know, doing it for that much money. Um, yep. And I have had that conversation many a time. Uh, and it's a difficult conversation to have, but... Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that conversation. Um, but, yep. to, but to answer your question, how do you, you know, how do I kind of 
um, deal with being in, you know, in an industry where there is some very talented people for a lot cheaper? I just, the honest answer is I just don't look, you know, because it, <laughs> I don't look. I mean, I don't spend my time watching other people's wedding films. I don't spend my time trying to figure out what people charge because it's a waste of my time, you know. Um, my time is spent, you know, editing my own videos or watching content that is going to, you know, make me want to edit better uh, or film better. Just generally, I'm not spending my time glued to, you know, social media and watching other people's, you know, work. It's the best thing I did was stop watching other people. Um, hmm. Because it doesn't matter what someone else charges for me. You know, it's, I'm not going to allow somebody else's price point to, to kind of steer where my business goes. Cause that's, that's crazy, really, you know? Um, like you've sure. got, you've got two businesses. You've got obviously your bespoke and your volume. You know, if, if someone comes along with the exact same business model in the same area as you and they're half the price, are you going to drop your prices by half just to compete? Like you'd be crazy to do that. Yeah, of course not. You'd be crazy, yep. you know, but effectively that's what people do do. You know, they're, they're, they're changing their price or setting their price based on what you know, Jeff next door is charging. And it's just, I understand why people do it. And, you know, I'm not saying I've not done that in the past. When I first started, that's how I created my price. Sure. Um, but I was the other way. So the very first price that I put out, I wanted it to be more expensive than anyone in the area. That was my first price. I didn't sit down and think, what's my cost of business? Because I didn't even know what my cost of business was. You know, like I was just, you know, just starting out. Um, but I knew that the guys who in my area that were shooting 60 weddings a year, they were £995. Mm. Uh, so £1,000. So I charged £1,300. And I, and I hadn't shot a wedding before um, on video. I just knew... I knew whatever I shot would be better than what they did. I just knew it. Not because I was, you know, a cocky guy. I just, I think, you know, you know what type of footage you're going to create. I'd already, you know, been working and doing some freelance photography for a long time. And I knew how to compose. I knew light. So I knew what I was going to capture it was going to look better than, you know, the, the stuff that was already out in, in my area. So I wanted to charge more and yeah, and that worked out quite well for me. You know, I wanted to charge, I wanted to look like I was more expensive. So I had to be more expensive. Um, yep. And that's kind of, you know, stay true. You know, I've, I've wavered a, a, for a year and I took a lot too much on and I was a bit cheaper than I should have been. But at the moment I'm back to putting value on what I do. Um, I mean, you know, everybody's different. But I can sit down and edit a film, and I can take a like I take a long time editing films. Um, sometimes I get near the end, and I take it back to the drawing board, and I start again, which is rid mm. ridiculous. You know, I, I try not to do that. <laughs> I try not to do that very often, um, but I want them to be as good as I can make them, um, mm. and I spend a lot of hours in front of this computer. Um, and I just got to a stage where I wanted to be paid well for doing it. Um, 
So yeah, I don't to answer the question. That was a long way of answering it, but for me, I just don't look. You know, it's none of my concern yeah. what somebody charges, um, and it shouldn't be anyone else's concern what I charge really, um, as long as everybody is is staying true to their craft and charging what is right. Um, you know, and all of us trying to push just a little bit, you know, up and up and just like kind of increasing the value, then I think everyone, it'll be good for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. There'll be people out there listening to this podcast when it goes live and they'll be pulling their hair out because, you know, it's, it's not easy for everybody and they'll be screaming that, you know, I've got someone in my area charging $500. You know, how can I compete? And it's like, you don't, you don't compete, you know, just. Right. You don't need to, you know, you just got to carve your own little path, you know, I don't know. I think it's in the same way that, you know, Bentley doesn't feel like they're competing with Kia. Exactly. You know, I mean, Bentley's owned by Volkswagen, you know, so it's, you know, so is Porsche. It is Porsche, isn't it? So that, you know, even in their own family, there is, you know, in the same as you, you know, you've got your cheaper brand and you've got your bespoke brand and you do them both. They don't compete. They're in completely separate markets, you know? Um, right. And, I'm, you know, the way you promote those makes sure they're in separate markets. Um, right. And I'm sure you do that in a clever way. If you get somebody coming to your bespoke brand, but their budget isn't really high enough, you can maybe flow them into your your um, slightly cheaper brand, you know, which is very, yeah, which is like really, really good business. Um, but, yeah, Bentley doesn't concern themselves with, you know, the recession. Uh, Ferrari sold more cars in the recession than ever before. Um, mm. Luxury is is up. You know, it's it's massively up. You know, I was in. Um, so when I went to India, um, I was in London for the night before, just so I could get to Heathrow. Um, and there was something on the news I was watching where an apartment building's just been finished. Um, and all the penthouse suites have been sold, and the cheapest one is twelve million. And I'm not sure what the property prices are where you live, but twelve millions twelve million is a heck of a lot of money anywhere <laughs> in the world, I think. Um, yeah. And this is for a one a one bedroom apartment. Oh um, my goodness! Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong; it's you know, it's in a beautiful part of London. You're overlooking the park. It's you know, it's kind of like buying an apartment overlooking Central Park, I guess. You know, it's the same sort of vibe. Um, the most expensive one was a three-bedroom penthouse, and I think that's something crazy, like 30-something million. But these are sold. <laughs> you know, th- these, 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 aren't, these aren't for sale anymore. People have bought them, you know. Now, those people, no doubt, are people, you know, there'll be oil money, there'll be people from overseas, um, you know, this is next level money, but this is, this is what we're talking about. You know, that, that yes, we're in a tough climate at the moment financially. Um, and we have been for some time, but there is people in the world spending 30 million pounds on a flat, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't even have stairs, you know, it's, it's a flat, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, I don't know what you call it. Is it a condo? I think you call it, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, right. But, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. You know, that's insane money. Um, you know, you could buy acres and acres and acres of land 
and uh, build a beautiful mansion, which they probably already have. But, <laughs> you know, but it's, yeah, there is, there is people out there who are financially successful and they are getting married or their daughters yeah. are getting married. No, so tell me, one of the things that I think is always scary for people when they're jumping into a new threshold on their pricing uh, is like something you mentioned earlier is, you know, well, I used to book one out of three clients, but now I'm booking one out of 15 uh, leads, you know. So one of the things I always try to um, try to preach to people is, yeah, that's okay and good because now your prices are twice what they are. So you're working, you know, half the number of weddings to get the same amount that you were doing before, or whatever the case is. What you know, whatever your financial goals are, obviously that's going to adjust. Talk to me about that transition for you. So you had the year where you way overworked yourself, and uh, because you were charging too little, and now you're charging more. Uh, I assume working much less. Yeah. Talk to me about how that transition has worked for you in terms of booking fewer weddings and at the same time reaching higher financial goals. Oh, mate, it's um, it's scary. You know, I'm not going to kind of, I'm not going to sit here and say that you know it's easy or you know um, give some sort of kind of positive message to everyone who's listening you know because it's not it's geez it's scary um mm. you know to go from getting you know i've never got a huge amount of inquiries you know i was the i'm always the guy who does i might get me i don't know 10 a month maybe um i don't get a lot of inquiries definitely not um i might go a month with no inquiries you know i think the last inquiry i had was like three three weeks ago or something like that um, so I've never been high volume inquiry type, type business. Um, when you're going from kind of booking one in three and probably higher, you know, I think, you know, at, at one point I was just, I was turning down weddings because I was, I was booked. Um, and I, I was doing too many, you know, I, I was just, I was getting a lot of people inquire that wanted to book. Um, and even though I knew that was because I was, you know, I was only at 2000. So in my head, I knew it's because I was too cheap. But everybody, I think everybody goes through this. It's that kind of, there's something nice about someone saying, yes, we want a book, you know, and it's that kind of having that yes from the client. It's quite addictive. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it may be the same as, you know, when you check your Instagram and you've got another 10 likes and it's kind of, it's, a, you know, that you get that, it's that sense of kind of, you know, you, you feel good about it, you know, and it's why people are addicted to social media. I think it's, it's the same thing. It's that dopamine thing, you know, when you get another book in and it's, you feel like you're successful, you know? Um, and the reality is you, you are, but you're killing yourself. You know, you kind of just, you're going to work yourself to the ground, you know, and it's not healthy. Um, the transition for me was simple. Um, it's not rocket science. I just decided one day to charge more money. There was no strategy. There was no a massive rebrand. I just knew that I'd shot a wedding. And I'll tell you that the day that I knew I needed to do it, 
was I filmed the wedding. It was a lovely wedding. Um, I was roughly the same price as the photographer. Um, I think we were about 2,200, something like that. Uh, we were both roughly the same price. Um, and I think the groom, I wanted to charge two and a half. And I spoke to the groom and he kind of got me down to 2-2. Two, two, which I was still okay with. Um, and I went to the wedding and the groom was wearing this kind of custom-made tuxedo by quite a fancy um, designer name. And he'd bought all of his guys the same tuxedo. And wow. they looked really good. I mean, they looked the business. But this was like a, you know, a Gucci-type tuxedo that was kind of Savile Row, um, which is, I don't know whether you know what Savile Row is, but it's, you know, it's a tailor district in, in um, it's a street in London that's filled with tailors and it's very expensive. Um, and people pay many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds for a beautiful tailored suit. And he looked amazing. You know, like the bride was beautiful. All the guys looked incredible, but there was probably 20 to 30,000 pounds worth of suits. <laughs> and you know, you're thinking, man, you know, like yeah. the dudes, like the, the guys got me for cheap, you know? Um, and I don't blame him. You know, he was, I think he was in sales. So he kind of, he, he bought me for cheap. He sold me, you know, he bought me for cheap. Um, but so I don't blame the guy for doing that. He just wanted the best he could get for his little money. So I don't blame any client for that. But that's when I realized, you know, I'm shooting these really nice weddings um, and they're spending more on their flowers. You know, they're spending yeah. more on a cake that they don't even eat. And and that particular wedding for me was the one where I knew, like, this is it. You know, I need to start charging more. Um, yeah. And forget about wanting a client to value me. Because all of that stuff is nice. It is nice. But it's it's not really tangible. You know, it's... Um, it's a nice conversation, but it's it. I'm very much a person that needs tangible things. I need something to hold on to, and I need actionable change. I need, you know, I, it's not about having these fluffy conversations. It's more about right. Why am I going to charge six thousand um, pounds? Where am I going to get those clients from? Where are they getting married? And just really trying to target those areas. But that was the moment for me when one of my grooms was wearing you know, a £6,000 tux and all his boys were wearing £6,000 tuxes. It was like, you know, screw this. Like, I can't be this cheap ever again. Uh, and yeah. I, and I, that's that's the day I put my prices up. Um, I did a few things to my website, simple things um, that made it less local. Um, hmm. I, was already, I was already starting to do that, but I, I literally logged on changed my website. I took away um, most of the films on there. I only left five or six on there. Um, and there were particular venues, particular types of weddings. Um, I worded things slightly differently. I'm building a new website now, which is going to be even cleaner, even more stripped back. Um, but yeah, I kind of decided then, you know, I can't do a wedding again where they spend more, you know, on placemats than their video, you know, like, can't do that anymore. 
Um, yeah. So that was the decision, yeah. The transition was easy because it wasn't a strategy. It was just, you know, F this, I can't do this again. And I just changed. That was it. Um, dealing with less people booking, I don't think I have an answer for you. Um, it's it's not easy, but I know that's how it has to be, you know? Yep. Um, like at the moment, I'm trying to, um, I'm eating a lot better. And, you know, it's not easy, you know, when you're trying to get a bit healthier. It's not easy, you know, when you have to go to the gym, it's not easy. Um, but you have to do it, right? You know, you've, right. you've kind of just got to do it. Um, and you've got to quit whining. You've just, you've just got to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, I don't have any words of wisdom for how to deal with the transition other than just suck it up and deal with it, you know? <laughs> um, I think Ray said on your, on your, when, you, when you were talking to Ray on your podcast, you know, that he turns down most of his weddings, you know, right. inquiries, because that's just what you've got to do, you know? Right. Um, so it's, it's just a case of dealing with it. You're never going to get the booking rate that you used to have ever again you know once you increase your price that's it you can kiss right. kiss goodbye to that kind of 50% booking rate or whatever you yeah. know 40% booking rate you're not going to have that anymore but you're not supposed to have that you know yeah. um, so it's just about getting used to the new you know this new area of the business that you've found yourself in you know so right yeah that's that's how I do it anyway that's great stuff well, we are over the hour mark here, so I want to um, I want to point people uh, towards a couple things that you're doing. Definitely check out your website. So tell me where all we can find you. I know you're also doing some stuff in the education space. You've got a podcast of your own. Uh, talk to us about what you're doing there. Basically, um, 2018 for me is it's kind of there's a lot there's a lot going on. Um, so my website, obviously, where you can see. My films, um, the highlights anyway, the trailers, is just rlfilmsco.com. Um, I'm building, it's, actually, you put it a good way, the education space. I quite like that. I might, I might steal that. Um, so uh, <laughs> workshops are a, quite a popular thing, and some workshops are good and some workshops are, I think, terrible. Um, I think we're going through the same thing that photography went through for the number for the last number of years. Uh, video is now popular, um, but what I don't see is is a workshop that's massively focused on um, actionable change that actually, that is that is held accountable for. You know, um, and that's what I used to do before weddings. I used to I used to coach people, um, so I'm a big believer in not only learning new skills but actually putting those skills into practice. So, and that's the important thing for me. So 2018, I'm launching something called the Bureau. Um, and it's basically, it's a, it's a workshop, but it's a workshop with a lot of coaching on the back end and a lot of accountability. Um, so if somebody comes to the workshop um, and they decide that they want to change X in their business, then they have a number of sessions with me and they're, they're accountable to change it. You know, if they've decided and the information suggests that they should change a certain thing in their business, then I will hold them accountable to do it um, and basically stop being lazy 
and get your ass in gear and actually do it. Um, <laughs> so it's a workshop that's for people who, you know, really want to drive change. Um, so that's quite exciting. We're in the early day. I'm in early stages with it. Um, I'm building it at the moment. So early 2018 is when that's going to be um, launched. Um, I'm doing some speaking um, early next year. I've got a couple of kind of um, like seminar type gigs, uh, which is nice. Um, just to get out to speak to videographers is nice. Um, and I think I've said it in this podcast. It's, you know, I'm in, um, I've just, you know, transformed what I do and got into like a new, a new clientele. And it's a very recent thing for me. So it's fresh in my mind of how I've done it. And, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's still relevant. Uh, so I think that's the most important thing for me is when I'm speaking to people, they understand that it's it's relevant to what they might be going through. So I ate 2018, lots of stuff, lots of exciting stuff. Um, so a little less shooting weddings. I'm aiming for 20, uh, 20 weddings a year. And then we'll see what the um, the Bureau brings and how many kind of, you know, workshops we can do. But, you know, loads of things, loads of things. We'll see. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I also wanted to point my listeners to a couple other things. Um, we are just going to be, let's see, when we launch this podcast, I was thinking about the current date that we're at, but when we launch this podcast, we will be one day away from the early deadline for the WPPI Filmmakers Contest. That's the Wedding and Portrait Photographers International conference. So that'll be the early deadline. So if you haven't got it in by now, um, you know, you better hustle if you want to meet that early deadline. But the good news is that I believe you'll have to double check me on this, but I believe the final deadline is January 18th to submit a film for the, uh, for the contest contest there. Um, so you'll have to pay a little bit extra, I think for the submission, but definitely, Consider that. I think one of the things as we're trying to elevate our brands is getting these sort of recognitions that what we're doing is really quality work. So, man, what would do that more than um, getting recognition from a, um, a, a very prestigious competition like the WPPI filmmakers contest. Um, I will actually be at WPPI speaking, um, as well as judge helping to judge the competition as well. Um, I'm really excited because in the past WPPI has been primarily for photographers and that's still the case. I think, however, they're really making some big shifts for, uh, for videographers. So actually I was looking through the course schedule the other day and you would have a half day on Monday, a full day's worth on Tuesday and another half day's worth on Wednesday of exclusively video courses. So you could effectively spend the entire time that you're there just doing video classes and hanging out at the expo and of course all the other good social events that are going on there. So WPPI is no longer just for photographers. It's a great space for us as well. And I think that has in the, in the past several years that has been seriously lacking is a, 
you know, a great place for, for wedding videographers specifically to hang out. We have, of course, um, you know, other, other video conferences that are more for video professionals across the board, but for wedding filmmakers specifically, um, I think this is a really great step forward in an event that is in a lot of ways for us. So, um, definitely hop on over to WPPIexpo.com. Take a look at what they're offering there. Um, it's pretty cheap for most people to get to Vegas. And I was looking at some of the rates at some of the hotels They actually have some rates. Um, I think at ho- nearby hotels that are decent places for like 40 bucks a night when you use the WPPI, um, uh, you know, sort of their website. So they're offering some discounts that way. And actually, if you become a member, um, it's only 200 bucks to become a member rather than I think 250 to just pay for the, for pay for the, the platform class pass, the badge. But if you become a member, you get a free pass. Um, so there's a lot of ways to kind of make it a super affordable trip. That's not going to cost you a whole lot. So, and I think, uh, you know, the value in educating yourself is just tremendous. You know, if you come away from this with one or two nuggets that help you transform the way that you're making your films to elevate the value that you're able to give to your clients and the, the value, the way that they value you, then your money will, will multiply many times that you spent on attending a conference like this. But I also just wanted to let you know about that deadline that's coming up. There are a few stipulations uh, that go with most filmmaking competitions that you may have to tweak some of your edits. Um, I think you have to get it under five minutes and there's maybe a few other criteria that you'll, you may have to tweak some of your edits for. So anyways, hop on over there because I really just want to see a great turnout to that competition. You know, I think that, um, going through an exercise like that where you have your work judged by your peers is extremely helpful, even if you don't win anything. So definitely consider, um, consider putting an entry in for that, that competition. And we're also working on planning a social event just for wedding filmmakers, primarily for listeners of this show. So, um, you know, definitely plan on that as well. Anyways, uh, thanks again, Richard, for coming on. This has been really excellent, and we'll look forward to, in just a few weeks, having you back on for that roundtable discussion. Thanks for having me, dude. appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you haven't already, please do hop on over to iTunes, where you can give us a five-star review for the awesome content that our guests bring you each and every week. Uh, It would be greatly appreciated, and we will likely end up reading that on air. So definitely please do that for us. It is greatly appreciated, and we'll see you next week. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.